Thank you, Jesus. Say Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verses 4 through 12 is what the Lord gave me for this year. And it's important that you grab hold of the word of the Lord for the year. And it says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. This was Old Testament too. It's not just the commandment in the New Testament. This has been through the whole Bible. And it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Look at somebody and say, meditate on the word day and night. Do not let it depart from your lips. Observe to do all that is written therein, and then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Amen? It's the exact same thing that's happening here. And it says, tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead. So go ahead. I guess you can get a tattoo on your forehead if you want one. As reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land He swore. So the thing that God promised, He'll bring you into what He promised. He swore to give you when He made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns or wells that you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill in the land, here it is, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. And so God has marked or decreed that 2023 for me and this house will be a year of abundance and increase. So if you, if you don't like the sound of abundance and increase, you're in the wrong place. Are you hearing me? But the Lord is going to bring this place into abundance and divine increase. Look at the person next to you and say, you're sitting in a place where God, by His sovereign hand, is going to bring us into divine increase. How does faith work? Faith works like this. You believe it, and you say it, and you watch God do it. And as you're believing it and speaking it, God will give you instruction. You see, the great thing about Pure Church is this is a house where every member hears the voice of God and understands how to be led by the Spirit of God. And God will speak to you in dreams, in visions. He will put things into your spirit where you will just know it. While you're in church worshiping, suddenly you'll know something you never knew before. God will give you flashes and glimpses of things to come. And out of the mouth of God, God will begin to lead you and direct you. Like my wife was talking, they are unknown things that God has prepared for you that He will spring on you like a surprise suddenly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, Your eye hasn't seen it, your ear hasn't heard it, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. Look at the person next to you and say, Learning to love God is the key to surprises. 
Who would like to be surprised with something really cool? Right? Who likes surprises? I love surprises. I don't like being scared, but I love surprises. You know, you jump out of the refrigerator. It wasn't that you, it wasn't that you didn't scare me because, you know, you went boo. You scared me because you jumped out of the refrigerator. That's just not the right place to be. I was not expecting that. But the Lord is going to surprise us suddenly when we love Him. Look at the person next to you. Say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you do yourself. The royal law of the kingdom is love, right? Why? Because God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love. And His kingdom is ruled by love, right? And so that's the command that the Lord has given us is to love. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says, When I think of all of this, and this, you know, you can go back and read earlier, but I, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. It says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources. Look at somebody and say, God has got... Glorious, unlimited resources. In, in God's kingdom, He has resources without end. There's unlimited resources available to us in the glory of God. That He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete. Everybody say complete. With all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's a big statement right there. Amen. And so while we were in Peter Maritzburg, I was, I was teaching the church over there about kingdom laws. And I was teaching them the way to be successful is to simply discover the laws in the kingdom of God and obey them. Look at the person next to you and say, you were born to be successful. God did not put you into this earth as a failure and He never plan for you to fail. That is not part of God's plan. You came ready to be successful. But the only way that you will be successful in life, according to God's standard, is if you come to know His kingdom laws and you begin to obey them. And so I was teaching the group, the church over there, that when you make a decision to humble yourself, to obey God's law, even when it's not comfortable, when you don't understand it, when you don't feel like doing it, and you have a hundred questions, but why God? If you simply will obey what God says because God said it, then you are demonstrating love to God. Look at the person next to you and tell them, if you love God, then you will obey God. Don't tell me you love the Lord, but you won't obey His commandments. And you see, when you choose to love God, from His love comes unlimited resources. 
When you choose to love the Lord, when you begin to obey the Lord, when you live according to His commandments, you enter into the love of God and from the love of God gets poured out God's favor, God's blessing, and God's unlimited resources in your life. That's how you tap glorious resources in the kingdom. Look at somebody and say, you just got the key to unlimited resources. And so when I read that scripture in the book of um, Ephesians chapter 3, it says that your roots will grow down into God's love. How do you get rooted and grounded in the love of God? It hit me like a ton of bricks in Africa, people. I said it and I'm going to say it again. When you get established in understanding God's commands and obeying them, you're rooted in the love of God. Let me say it in the middle here. When you understand the laws of the kingdom and you obey the laws, you are now living a life that's rooted and grounded in the love of God. Let me say it over here. When you understand the laws of the kingdom and you humble yourself to obey them, you root and ground yourself in the love of God. And because you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm going to do what His commands say, even when I don't feel like it, when I don't understand it, or even when my friends are not doing it. I'm going to do it because the Lord said it. I fear the Lord more than I fear anything else. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When I obey His commands, then I'm rooted and grounded in His love. I tap into unlimited resources, and then I will tap into the thing my eye hasn't seen, my ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into my heart what God has prepared for me because I I chose to obey him. Oh boy. Shaka Zulu. And so this is what we're living in right now. My wife and I in the last six months, we've been living in it, but it's gone to another level. We've tapped into the resources of God and we're about to see divine increase hit us on all sides. It's, we're already in it. We're already seeing it. It's already happening. But the Lord gives us a warning. And this is really what's been on my heart. The fact that we're already tapped, we've already tapped into the divine resource. You see, when the abundance hits you, it's very easy to forget God. And so the Lord is telling me, don't worry about what's coming. Don't worry about the divine increase. Focus on obeying my commandments. Make sure that your foundations are solid. Make sure that you don't let go the principles that brought you into this place. Because if you will let go the principles that brought you into this place, you will become somebody that thinks you deserve something for doing nothing. You will become entitled. Look at the person next to you. And tell them entitlement is super ugly. The blessing of God, if you're blessed by God to the point of overflow. Look at the person next to you say, if you get blessed by God to the point of overflow. It can breed entitlement in your life if you don't remain humble and, di and stay disciplined. What does entitled mean? When you're entitled, you feel that you have the right to do what you want or have what you want without having to work for it. Entitlement means that you think you have the right to do what you want and have what you want without having to work for it. 
Entitled people feel that they deserve it just because of who they are. Do you know who I am? Some kids think they're entitled to certain things because of who their parents are. Some kids act like spoiled brats. And people are too scared to say anything to the parents because they don't want to lose favor with the parent who is considered wealthy or can bless them with some opportunity. One more time. Some kids think they're entitled to certain things because of who their parents are. There are some kids that act like spoiled brats and we're too scared to say anything to their parents because we're afraid we'll lose favor with them or miss an opportunity. Some parents think that they're entitled to certain things because of who their kids are. That's my son, that's my daughter, and I deserve special privileges. And parents get offended when their kids don't give them what they want. Just like entitled kids will get offended when their parents won't give them what they want. Look at the person next to you and tell them nobody owes you anything. If you don't work for it, you don't deserve it. I'm going to go a little deeper. Employees get familiar with their employers and cross lines thinking that because they have a relationship with their boss, they're somehow entitled to special privileges. And as children of the Most High God, you're not entitled to any special privileges or special treatment because you're a child of God. If you will obey the laws of the kingdom of God, then you will be blessed because the laws still apply to you. God is not a respecter of persons. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. If he sows into the flesh, he'll reap corruption and death. But if he sows into the spirit, he'll reap life everlasting. Can I get an amen? And so, family, God has got blessing available for every person in this house. The Bible says that, that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has been unlocked and is available to you in Christ Jesus. But the way that we tap into the blessing of God is by getting rooted and grounded in the love of God. And so we got to stop asking God for the blessing, and we got to stop, start asking God to help us walk in love. Are you with me? Because when we get rooted and grounded in love, seeking first the kingdom, God's laws, and God's way of doing things, all these things will be added unto us. Amen. And so I want to give you an example of this in the Bible. Um, go to 1 Kings chapter 10. And so the blessing is here. I'm going to show you how to tap into the blessing and how to keep the blessing. In the, book of, in the book of Kings, we read the story about Solomon. Everybody say King Solomon. And so David was his father. David was a righteous man. His son was uh, Solomon. And uh, Solomon took over the kingdom from his father. And the first act that Solomon did, you can, you can read it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. He took a thousand burnt offerings. He went and offered him unto the Lord as a sacrifice unto God. 
to honor God. And that night God visited him in a dream and said to him, Solomon, what do you want? Ask me and I will give it to you. And Solomon didn't ask for the death of his enemies. He didn't ask for wealth or honor or riches or long life. He asked the Lord for wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And because Solomon asked God for wisdom, Solomon said this, God, I am young. I don't know how to manage and govern your people. So I ask you for the wisdom to manage and govern these people of yours. And because Solomon asked God to help him govern his people, it pleased the Lord. And God said to him, I'll give you the wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all the things you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you the wealth. I'm going to take out your enemies. I'm going to give you a long life. I'm going to honor you. But God warned Solomon. He said, you got to, you got to stick to the commands. You got to continue to live a holy life before me and obey me. And I want to read to you the riches that Solomon came into because of wisdom. Look at the person next to you and say, this is loaded. All right. I don't think we're going to reach this level of loaded, but I want to tell you what loaded looks like. So in 1 Kings chapter 10, it says, when the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame. Listen, when you honor the Lord, he'll make you famous which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices and large quantities of gold and precious jewels. And when she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. And she exclaimed to the king, everything in my country, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and the wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not even heard half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. Now, when you have a queen of a country rock up and tell you that the wealth that she heard about you was just half of what she heard, you know. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day, listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, He made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the gift, the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold. Wait, we're going to get into gold here in a moment. Great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as those that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, Hiram's ships brought gold from Oper. Yeah, these great words here. And they also brought rich cargoes of red sandalwood and precious jewels. And the king used the sandalwood to make railings for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts he had so generously given. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. 
Each year, Solomon received 25 tons of gold. Each year, 25 tons of gold. Uh, it was like they have, sh they have some measurement. Hold on, let me look it up. I got the measurement here. They, 25 tons of gold. I mean, there's a lot of gold. I've got it here somewhere. They, they were talents. They were also called talents of gold. One talent of gold was equivalent to 75 pounds of gold. That 25 tons was 666 talents of gold or 49,950 pounds of gold. At today's value, that's 1.1 billion a year in gold that was given to Solomon. Solomon was, came, brought in his annual bring-in on gold, just gold, 1.1 billion. Well, it didn't include the rubies. You're right, baby. 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from the merchants and the traders and the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. His battle armor was made out of gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammer gold, each weighing nearly four pounds. The king placed the shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made huge throne decorated with ivory and overlaid with, the, with fine gold. The throne had six steps and a rounded back. There were armrests on both sides of the seats and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. I need a podium like that. There were also 12 other lions, one standing on each end of the six steps. No other throne in all the world could be compared to it. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish and sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years, the ships returned loaded with gold, silver, ivory. I don't know why they put apes and peacocks, but I guess that was a big thing back then. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on the earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom of God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited him brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. And Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. Silver was so plentiful that it was like stones on the ground everywhere you went. It sounds like the streets of heaven, doesn't it? Streets of gold. And valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Sicilia. The king's traders acquired them from Sicilia at the standard price. At that time, the chariots from Egypt could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and horses for 150 pieces of silver. Then they were all exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. And so here we see that Solomon was loaded, guys. Look at the person next to you. Say, we haven't reached Solomon's standard. Yeah. 
We got some work to do. But the problem came in, and we're going to read about it in the next chapter. Look at the person next to you and say, here comes the problem. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. Verse 2. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Shaka Zulu, baby. Look at the person next to you and tell him when you disobey God, use that in big doo-doo, ja-ja. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did this, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God. And his father David had, as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all such shrines for all his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father David, I will not do this while you're still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be king for one, over one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. And so I go back to, I go back to this. The Lord your God will bring you into the land he swore to give you. And... When he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns and wells you did not dig, and you will eat from the vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. But when you have eaten your fill in the land, be careful. Do not forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. And so I have to throw out a warning to us as a church, that if we in our abundance forget to love the Lord our God and continue to practice discipline by remaining humble to obeying His commands, everything that we acquire will be stripped from us. And if you're going to take it and use it for selfish purposes, it will be stripped from you too. 
Because what the Lord is doing is supernatural and it's for the advancement of His kingdom. Can I get an amen? amen. And so um, this year, we're going to focus on staying true to biblical foundations. We're going to clarify our foundations. We're going to clarify the laws. We're going to take a look at what God requires from us. And we're going to commit ourselves and stay focused on obeying God and loving Him. And that will, make sh- that will ma- cause us to make sure that we don't drift from Him. Can I get an amen? amen? And so I'm very, very excited about what's getting ready to happen around here. I'm excited about the increase. I'm excited about all the great things that we're going to do this year. I'm excited about all the blessing coming to our lives. But family, I'm going to make sure that we stay rooted and grounded in love so that we don't lose the blessing that God has for us. Can I get an amen?